Well, again, if you are just joining us, we're so glad you're here. And this is kind of an exciting beginning for us for a five-week journey here at Downers Grove that we're calling The Way. If you have been with us for any length of time, perhaps you've started to see a common thread that connects our sermons, even our sermon series over the last, well, really since we began. In February, we had a series called The Lazarus Life. In The Lazarus Life, we explored how Jesus brings resurrection into our lives, not after we die, but now, how he brings new life to us. And then we journeyed in the Beatitudes, the beginning portion of the famous Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is describing not just the attitudes, but the kinds of people, the way they're living, that are finding themselves into this kingdom of God that Jesus was proclaiming, this new life, this new way that he was ushering in. And then we had the home series, where we talked about how do we build faith in the context of the homes, the places we live our lives every day, how do we build faith in those places? And we've just finished a series on Sabbath that we called Press Pause, where we said once a week, God has designed us in such a way that we need to turn off the switch, we need to disengage, not because it's only a good thing to do, but there's something holy, God says about it, and how he's designed us. The common thread that connects all of those, at least for me, is that it talks about the way we are called to live our lives. It speaks to our behaviors. It speaks to our rhythms. And the new practices that we've been challenging each other to maybe adopt, uh, I'd be the first to admit to say, that's really hard, (laughs) to put new habits, to put new rhythms, to put new practices into your life. You know, as I observe kind of our American life in our uh, Chicago western suburb life or Pittsburgh life or whatever city you happen to be from here today, I, I see a growing gap, uh, a growing gap that I think deep down somewhere we would like to see close, and the gap is the life that we're currently living and the life that perhaps we wish we were living or could be living. I see it expressed in a variety of ways as I talk to people and meet with people. It's, some are just searching for more fulfillment in life. Some are wanting uh, some more peace. They just they want to be able to throttle down. Uh, for some, it's um, um, just wanting to have more joy in life and how life is going. We keep going faster and faster and faster. We keep accumulating more and more. We keep uh, searching out new experiences. Nothing is slowing down, and we're not closing the gap. If anything, it almost feels like the gap is widening, even though we're trying to put more and more into life. We're gathered here in church today, and I kind of like this setting. Um, It kind of, to me, says we're not a church that has a steeple on the corner that says, come to us. We're a church that has gone out. So we want to be where people work. We want to be where people are living and invite people to discover life in a new way. But no matter what you believe about Jesus or Christianity or the church, one thing is for certain. Jesus is all about life. He wants to see people flourish and thrive In John chapter 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, to take. 
to kill and destroy, but I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life and have it to the full. It's not a glass half full approach. It's, it's a life that is rich, full of meaning that isn't even all the way up to the top. It's flowing over. It's an abundance. That's the life that Jesus is calling us into. But the gap seems to deplete it a little bit. There's a verse that over the last year has really intrigued me. It's, it's one I've researched, I've read about, prayed about, wondered about. Um, I encountered it um, in a fresh way um, last summer when I was in Colorado. I was at a retreat center led by a man named Stephen Smith. Uh, we had some good exchanges. He has written on this verse as well. And this is it. It's in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So just look at those words for a second. Jesus says, I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, meaning no one's going to come into this new life I'm talking about except through me. And there was a question that's been banging around in my mind for this last year, and it's this. Could the way Jesus lived his life actually reveal a truth that leads us into a greater life? Could the way Jesus lived his life reveal a truth that actually begins closing the gap so that we begin living the kind of life that perhaps we most desire? Jesus' invitation over and over again was to follow me. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, he's always inviting people to follow me. And part of what he means is to actually follow him in the way he does life. It's to watch how he did things, to pay attention to his rhythms and the things, the way he was living, because the way Jesus lived reveals something to us. In this series, we're going to learn about the way of Jesus and the way he did things. We're going to have opportunities to reflect in our weekends, but also when we leave here, where have maybe we lost our way a little bit or drifted away from maybe the way of Jesus? And, and how do we come back to alignment? How do we begin living our way, the way of Jesus? And I pray that we see the gap begin to close in our lives. How many of you have seen the movie Alice in Wonderland? Kids, have you seen the movie Alice in Wonderland? So here's the big question. Have you seen the cartoon version, the old version, where you put the VCR tape in? Do you know what that even is? No? And so, anyway, so I'm speaking about the cartoon version. There is this amazing exchange between Alice and the cat, and this is how the conversation goes. Alice says, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to walk from here? The cat says, that depends a good deal on where you want to go. Alice says, I don't much care where. And the cat says, then it doesn't matter much which way you go. We could almost press pause and start looking at our own life and have that conversation go through as we think about where are we and where are we going? What's the way of our life right now? <clears throat> we are going places, no doubt, like Alice. Our schedules are full, and maybe often we admit too full. But where are we going in our fast 
pace. You know, one of our core values here at Christ Church Downers Grove is that we want to be intentional, intentional in the way that we're going, intentional in how we're trying to grow to be more and more like Jesus, to live into this life of his. But our pace, I wonder sometimes if it frustrates us. Steve Smith in Colorado, he, he told a story of visiting an, an executive, and on this executive's desk was this saying. It says, every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. It knows that it must run faster than the fastest lion or be killed. Every morning, a lion wakes up. It knows that it must outrun the slowest gazelle or starve. It doesn't matter whether you are a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. Can you relate to that? I know I have run hard for a lot of years of my life. Perhaps you too feel like either a lion or a gazelle in that scenario. Uh, For years, I've tried to figure out balance to everything, and I think I've come to learn that balance is the wrong way to even approach this, because I think what life is about is not so much balance, but it's about rhythm. Let me ask you, do you know anything about the rhythm of Jesus' life? If I were to walk around with the microphone and do kind of the man on the street interviews, and I say, tell me about Jesus, my hunch is we would come up with a list something like this. We'd say, well, the Bible says that he was born from a virgin, that he was baptized by John the Baptist, or as my son, Clay, when he was four, eagerly, when, asked that, when that question was asked in Sunday school, raised his hand, probably with one of those like hand-waving because he just knew the answer. They said, Clay, do you know who baptized Jesus? And he said, do you want to share it? He said, Elton John. <laughs> of which then I got a note, pastor. I said, his mother listens to that music. I can't take him He was baptized, he was tempted, he preached, he told stories, he uh, spoke in parables, he taught people with wisdom and power, he performed miracles, he died on the cross for our sins, he rose again. I think that's a pretty good list. I think that describes Jesus' life or some of the things that he did. But the question is, that doesn't talk about how Jesus lived his life or the way that Jesus was living his life. So the question then is, does the Bible have anything to tell us about the way Jesus lived his life? What do you think? Yes would be an awfully good answer in a situation like this. Yeah, actually, it has, when you have eyes to see it, it talks about the way of Jesus all over the place. I love to discover new things about the Bible, especially passages or scriptures that I've read maybe a hundred times, and all of a sudden a new light bulb goes off. Or I see words or phrases that even though I've read them, I never saw them. Was that Yogi Berra that said you have to look at it to see it? Something like that. But like it's when those new things pop out. That happened as I read the Gospel of Luke, the third book in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I read Luke and I I started seeing all kinds of things emerge about the way of Jesus. And so I want to call a timeout and ask a question. Could we, as a community, this month, read the Gospel of Luke together? You can go at your own pace. Some of you may end up reading it several times. Uh, But let's read the Gospel of Luke and ask this one question. What do we learn about the way of Jesus and how he did life, the way of his life, 
with God himself and others. Read Luke and just say, what am I noticing about how the way of Jesus with God himself and others? You may want to do this around the table at home, maybe at dinner time. If you have young kids, maybe you read it out loud as a, as a family. If you have older ones or you don't have kids, read it and talk to each other about what you're learning. What are you discovering? What new light bulbs are popping for you? If, you? if you don't have a Bible, borrow one of ours. They're in the back. If you want one of those for yourself to keep, uh, just connect with us. We'll help make arrangements for that as well. But we want to we be people that are immersing ourselves in the reading of Scripture. So let's read Luke together. And here's why I love Luke. Luke is an outsider. He's a Gentile in the biblical words, meaning he's not, meaning he's not a Jew, He's not kind of in the whole kind of history of Israel. He's a Greek. Uh, Luke is also a doctor, which means he's highly educated. His writing is some of the most advanced uh, Greek in all of the New Testament. And he has an eye, a particular eye, to see things and people that the other writers, the Gospels, aren't necessarily keying in on because he's investigating it. I mean, listen to how the Gospel of Luke starts. It says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were eyewitnesses, servants of Jesus. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too have decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So either Theophilus has said, I want to research this thing out and find out if it's true. Theophilus means lover of God. So this could be a specific person. It could be just a, a name that Paul puts for all of those who are outside the Jewish community that love God and actually want to know the things that they heard. Can they believe them? Are they true? And so he says, so I want you to know for certainty the things that have been taught to you. Luke deploys kind of the education of a doctor, his keen insights into humanity to write an orderly account of this man named Jesus <clears throat> to see if everything is really true. And so I think it's helpful for us as living in, you know, we're, we're not kind of in Israel, we're not in a Jewish culture, like we're kind of an outsider in some ways, maybe like Luke was. And so I think his insights are helpful for us as we just watch and listen and take in what Luke investigates and finds. One of the things that you are going to find as you read is that Jesus was very, very intentional with his rhythms. He was on and then off, on and then off. He would engage people in ministry and work and pour out his life and heart, and then he would disengage into solitude and silence and prayer. This rhythm, uh, I think maybe one of the, the places we need to begin to say, have we perhaps lost our way a little bit and need to realign ourselves into a way of learning a better, more healthy rhythm of what it means to be on and then off? Because we've certainly learned how to live with the switch on. I mean, I confess, there's been so many mornings, I wake up with the phone next to my bed, which I know is not supposed to be there, and I wake up and I actually am checking messages texts and emails before I'm even sitting up and I'm blurry-eyed, trying not to fall down the stairs, even responding to things before I've even made a cup of coffee. And we go to bed, often the same way. 
I'm not going to, you, you'll read all these, but let me just give you a hint of some of the things you're going to find in the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 4, you're going to find Jesus is busy with ministry and then goes into solitude, but it says that at nighttime, or as the sun was setting, Jesus was doing this, and at daybreak, Jesus was doing this. You're going to see these, the rhythms of day and night, evenings and mornings appear over and over again in the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 5, it says, Jesus often withdrew in silence and solitude. He turned to switch off. He disengaged. In chapter 6, it said, Jesus spent the night praying. I don't know if that means he pulled an all-nighter or, you know, perhaps he was praying well into the night and fell asleep praying. I like to think of Jesus in that way because it sure makes me feel a whole lot more holy. Um, you know, but think about it. Even if that's the case, could you just picture God, one of his children, are just talking to him and they're talking, talking, and eventually they just drift off to sleep in mid-sentence. Can you just picture God smiling and say, hey, buddy, I'll be there in the morning when you wake up? In chapter 9, we see Jesus intentionally withdrawing after a season, a particularly long stretch of kind of intense work and ministry. And then he and his disciples retreat. They pull back for some extended downtime as well. In chapter 11, it says Jesus prayed in a certain place. A certain place meaning he regularly was going to this place to pray. The rhythm of his life, are the places that we have in our life matter. In Luke 21, it says each day, Jesus was about work and teaching, but then in the evening, it was centered around community and rest. In Luke 22, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. I never saw all of these little phrases and words. I just read right past them because I wanted to get to the meat of what Jesus was teaching, and the whole time I missed, there is all kinds of rhythm in the way Jesus lived his life that I had totally missed. As the sun was setting at daybreak, often withdrew, spent the night certain place each day as usual. Luke is showing us more than a provocative teacher with miraculous power. It's an invitation to live in Jesus, to not just adopt his words, which are great, but to actually take on his life. And when we do that, we find that maybe life is even given. The lack of sustainable rhythms, the lack of knowing how to be on and then off may be the place we need to begin today as we consider the way of Jesus. Henry Nouwen was a priest, uh, amazing insights into humanity and God and this prolific writer. He writes, as he just observes the way of Jesus, he, he notices most days or the normal rhythm for Jesus is that it begins at sunup with solitude and prayer. Jesus begins connecting with God as a first thing. And then he moves into community with the few. And then he transitions from that into the many, pouring out his life of work to the crowds and healing and all the stuff that Jesus was doing. But then in the evening, he would return. It would almost reverse. He would return to community with the few, often around a table where there's conversations and laughter and talking about the day and encouragement and, and all of those things I just picture happening around the table with Jesus. And then before he went to bed, he returned back to this solitude with, you know, to himself for reflection and prayer or whatever it may be. Then he went to bed. You can see the ramp up and then the ramp down, and then he went 
to bed. The big idea, and I think you can see it, is following Jesus is much more than believing a statement of faith or a creed or some wise teachings. It's about following a person who disclosed to those who would follow him that he, in fact, was the way. That how he lived actually revealed something that gives life. And it's the life that God intends for us. That Jesus' lifestyle is just as important as his teachings if we're going to experience the life that God wants for us. And perhaps the place to begin is doing a little personal inventory of where we are and where we're going, just like Alice in Wonderland. Because if we don't know where we are and if we really don't know where we desire to go, then as the cat says, it doesn't very much matter which way you go, even when you leave here. And so I just thought of what would be some questions that would be helpful for us. And they're on the screen. You can take a snapshot of those. We're going to post them on Facebook. You can just go to Christchurch Downers Grove on Facebook. We're going to post this exact slide on there so you can have them. But ask yourself these questions. Ask, what have I lost or what has been taken from me that I really need to find again? What is not working in my life right now? In other words, where maybe am I going down, going the wrong way? Just be honest and list some of those things out. What is, what is your normal day, your, your normal weekly rhythms? Chart when you're on and off and see if that is lining up in a healthy way. Or ask yourself, what is it that you most desire in the way that you're living life? To address, is there a gap between how I'm living and the life that I desire or just know that there is more to it? Those kinds of questions will reveal what needs to close, where we need to come in alignment. Steve Smith says, transformation is an experience. It's something that happens to a person that alters the trajectory and quality of life from that point forward. I love that word trajectory because trajectory speaks to a particular way, a specific way, a specific direction. And that direction when we're going with Jesus, has a quality of life attached to it. Remember, Jesus did not say, believe a few things about me so you can go to heaven when you die. That was never Jesus' invitation. He said, repent. Literally meaning you're living your life this way, but he's saying, I am the way. And so if you want life, you have to repent. Literally change your direction and go the way that I am. And if you do that, you will find rest for your souls, Matthew 11, or you will find this overflowing, abundant life, John chapter 10. As you will find in this series, I think the place we begin has to be with our rhythms. And from there, we can begin considering the other ways of Jesus in terms of how did he serve and what did it mean to do good to others. That's next week. We're going to talk about the relational way. How did Jesus do relationships and what was happening around that table? We're going to, Dan is going to share with us the invitational way. How did Jesus invited people on this journey, wherever they were? He just said, come with me. You will figure it out. If you walk with me, watch me, you know, be with me, you'll find your ways becoming my ways. So how do we invite people to be on that journey with us, and then we're going to close by putting it all together 
and considering that maybe this next season we live together could be the best way that we've ever gone. So this week, here's what I would suggest, and I hope even something in you is saying, wow, there's some hope here. I even maybe start seeing the gap starting to to close, to squeeze in a little bit. Here's what I would encourage us to do this week, and again, we'll put this on Facebook and send it out to you. Um, Begin reading the Gospel of Luke. Right? If you need a Bible, please grab one. We want to put that in your hands if you don't have one. So let's just start reading it. You can read a little bit. You can read a lot. You know, but ask yourself that question. What do I learn about the way of Jesus with God himself and others? Secondly, do your life inventory. Ask yourself some of those questions. Be honest. Um, because that's the key from just wandering around anywhere to intentionally going somewhere that's good. And then last, let's take a step in adopting the rhythm of Jesus by learning to turn off something in our lives. And I would do this. Since the end of the day and the beginning of the day are two such good pivot points, like Jesus did, begin right there. Maybe maybe that's where you're going to read the Gospel of Luke. Uh, But I would just say, give yourself time in the morning to connect with God and then those few people that are immediately in your life End your day the same way by connecting with a few and then having some time alone, no screens, put your phones away. You will survive, believe me, for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes. You know, maybe read, pray a little bit, however you do that, and then enter into rest, then go to bed. God has wired us in such a way that we need to come down to really rest well, and then we start it over again the next day. Sound good? All right, would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you that you have shown us a way. We don't have to guess at it. Um, In fact, you have actually shown us and revealed a lot that we can learn from the life of Jesus and the way that he did it that actually leads us to a life that maybe we most desire. And so God, as we begin this journey together, Together over these next five weeks, I just pray that you'll reveal truth to us. Show us, reveal to us the gap in our life. Give us that desire to really follow after you, and God, we will trust that you will be the one that closes the gap. That maybe it's not more doing, but it's just us learning to go the way that you are. So God, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.